Well, last night we uh, began, by the way, apples and honey, we got our apples and honey here. We'll be uh, enjoying that in just a little while. I, but I, I wanted to uh, uh, lead us back uh, right now for a few moments to uh, Psalm uh, 90. And uh, we were talking, our, our theme uh, really for Rosh Hashanah uh, this year is teach us to number our days that we may present to you uh, a heart of wisdom. And so last night we really focused on uh, recognizing the difference between God's eternity and our uh, temporality. The fact that we have a beginning and we have an end. And that is really what the beginning of that first part of Psalm 90 is uh, is about, to come to terms with that. And, and of course, uh, uh, Moses, uh, or the author of uh, Psalm 90, really uh, explores that and, and, and talks about the, uh, 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 the, the fact that, uh, for example, that, you know, we come and we go. Thou hast swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep in the morning. They're like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes anew. Toward the evening it fades and withers away. Uh, thou dost turn man back to dust. Uh, and so uh, the psalm is dealing with coming to terms with our mortality. Uh, and we said last night that when you come to verse 12, uh, it's really uh, the, the key verse uh, that, that sort of is the glue that holds the whole psalm together because the reaction is, so teach us to make every day count, that every day of our lives count. And we uh, really focused last night on remembering that no matter what station in life we may be in, uh, may we remember on Rosh Hashanah that, that every day of our life counts, that we are created in the image and likeness of God, and that we have significance and meaning every single day of our lives. Our lives are in the hands of God. Uh, and uh, uh, Yeshua talks about, you know, focusing on right now, focusing on, on uh, uh, today. And we, we talked about different ways uh, of uh, making, uh, you know, making every day uh, account. But now today we want to focus our attention on the last part of verse 12, where it says that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, or literally more like that we might get a heart of wisdom. We might have uh, a, a heart of wisdom. Uh, and so I uh, clearly, you know, when, when it says here, I, uh, Lord, uh, make us know uh, how to make every day count so that we can be people of wisdom, so that we can have hearts of wisdom. And so, you know, wisdom is, uh, wisdom is a very interesting uh, concept uh, in, in and of itself. You know, if we ask ourselves, what is wisdom? Uh, it, you know, is really, what, what is wisdom? It's really the way of life that God originally desired that we would live, that we, that, that we would conduct ourselves. Uh, that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing how to live well, how to live 
uh, in the way with satisfaction that that God has uh, that God has uh, has made us. That's why wisdom is often identified very much with creation. Uh, in the Bible, in many places where wisdom is discussed, creation is discussed because it's in creation that God made us. Uh, and uh, and it's interesting because in Psalm ninety like we read at the beginning last night, Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations before the mountains were born, uh, or thou didst give birth to the earth and to the world, even from everlasting, you are God. So from the very beginning, you know, God uh, organized this world to function in a particular way that brings satisfaction, to not only to people, but to animals and to the plant life and everything, you know, that there is a way for this world to function and there is a way for people to live and oversee it and relate to each other and relate to the Lord. And to understand that and to begin to live that way is wisdom. Okay. Uh, but of course, as we know that because of sin, we've become disconnected. Uh, and uh, we don't always walk in, in wisdom, and the world does not function in wisdom. But when we embrace Yeshua and we become like reconnected, we can begin to really walk in wisdom. Now, you may, may be familiar with some of the wisdom books of the Bible, like the book of Proverbs, for example. Proverbs function, when you read Proverbs, the good thing about Proverbs is, is that we can learn how we should how we should live, orderly, the orderly right way that we should live. What is the wise way to walk? But the thing about Proverbs is, it, it says, but if you walk this way, then something else is going to happen. But because our world is not in order, because it is disorderly, the, re, the, the second part of, the, of each proverb doesn't always happen. But we know how we're called to, uh, to live. In a way, Proverbs is a vision statement, you know, about how the world's supposed to function. And if, all, and if the whole world functioned according to the book of Proverbs, we would really be a wise world. Uh, we really would be. But, you know, uh, we can be wise in fulfilling what it tells us to do in Proverbs. We can't control what happens as a result, but we can live wisely. Then there's the book of Job. Job is a very fascinating book. It is a wisdom book that tells us really uh, about living when bad things happen, living when life is disorderly. How do we live uh, orderly when life is disorderly and tragic? That is what Job is about. And then, of course, Ecclesiastes. These are the big three. There's lots of other places of wisdom in the Bible, but Ecclesiastes. That is also wisdom literature that discusses how to live when we observe the contradictions of the world. When we just, you know, look around and we see how the world is, what Ecclesiastes helps us to do is how to think with wisdom and then therefore live with wisdom. So having said all of that, you know, there's lots of wisdom in the Psalms. We could say that the entire Torah is the the Torah way of life, as we like to call it, uh, is wisdom, right? 
Uh, when uh, uh, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, when Yeshua uh, is all done, just about all done with the Sermon on the Mount, he offers uh, two ways to live. And it sounds a lot like Proverbs. One is the way of wisdom, and uh, one, of, one is uh, the way of folly. Right? It says in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, a wise person. The rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man. Doesn't it sound a lot like Proverbs? The wise way, the foolish way, right? Who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so we see Yeshua is really echoing, you know, like Proverbs, walk the wise way, not the foolish way. And so when we read Proverbs, we learn how to live the wise way. It doesn't mean we'll get the wisdom in return from others or things of that nature, but we will walk in, in wisdom. And, we, and basically, when we follow the way of the Lord, that is the blueprint for living well, living a, a robust life, right? Uh, and, uh, and so when uh, coming back to Psalm 90, when we make every day count, which means the way I conduct myself, the way, my deportment, what I say to people, my attitude during the day, I, as we make every day count, then we really are cultivating a life, a heart of wisdom, right? Uh, very, uh, very important to, under, to understand that. And of course, you know, I think that, um, I, and I'm speaking for myself in life, boy, you know, I remember years ago, I can think of a lot of time that I wasted in a lot of ways, just in a, in a lot of ways, because I really wasn't thinking much about mortality. I wasn't really thinking much that, well, you know, there is an end to this. I can remember thinking, well, you know, in years to come, we'll do this, or uh, you know, maybe uh, when the kids are grown, we'll, we'll do this or uh, in another decade or, you know, and, and time just seemed to be uh, like, like uh, there's, there's no end in sight, right? Uh, but when, like in the psalm, we recognize, wow, you know, that there is an end. We need to make every day count. Real wisdom, my friend, is to know when you're 20, that there is an end in sight. And to make every day count, make every day count for your whole life, not just once you reach a particular age, you know, where uh, uh, aches and pains uh, start to sink in or something like that. But real wisdom, you see, is to recognize, yes, God is eternal, but, uh, we, but we have uh, more mortality. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of Ecclesiastes, uh, there's a very interesting uh, passage 
uh, in Ecclesiastes in the seventh chapter, uh, which speaks about mortality. It says here uh, in verse 2 of chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every person, and the living take it to heart. Like, recognize it, right? Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise, see, wisdom, the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It doesn't mean never have a good time or anything like that. It's a proverbial kind of statement. And basically what it's saying it is, it is good to take stock of your life. It is good to reflect on your life and to realize, okay, this is where I've been, this is where I am, this is where I'm going. That is good, that is healthy. And that is what we do on Rosh Hashanah, really. That we have this opportunity to take stock of our uh, lives. And so here in Psalm 90, uh, this is what we read. We read in the beginning of it, boy, you know, uh, life is short uh, uh, compared to the life of God. Uh, we belong to him, but life is hard. It is uh, difficult. Uh, and uh, from Moses' point of view, probably referring to the wilderness wanderings, we're wandering around because of our disobedience. And life is tough because of our disobedience. And for all of us, life can be tough uh, simply because of the, the disconnect of this world, the sin of this world. And many of us, for life, life is tough because we haven't made wise choices in varieties of ways. Not that God is poking us, you know, and, uh, and making our life hard uh, because we did something wrong. No, oftentimes the reason is, is because we haven't used God's wisdom in making right choices whether they're life choices or just personal choices and, and things of that, of that nature. And we spare ourselves a lot of grief when we live according to God's way, because it is indeed the way of wisdom. So when we make every day count, we are now really on track with uh, gaining God's wisdom and living a satisfying, worthwhile life no matter what our age, whatever our station in life is. We are created in the image and likeness of God, uh, and we have significance and meaning every moment of our lives. Now, it's interesting what we read after verse 12 in Psalm 90. Do return, shuva Adonai. That's a really interesting phrase. You know, God, God returned. Shuva is also the word for repent. Right? Uh, and that takes a lot of chutzpah there in uh, verse 13. Do return, Lord. Uh, how long will it be? In other words, change course. Make things better. <laughs> Literally is what he's crying out. Make things better, Lord. Return. How long will it be? And be compassionate for your servants. Now, we might look at that as Messiah followers and say, Lord, Yeshua, return. And uh, that wouldn't be bad. That would be a wonderful thing. How long will it be? 
end this travail, end all of this, uh, Lord, come Lord Yeshua, as we read in the Brit Chadasha uh, uh, scriptures. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. And so he prays, these are prayers, Lord, come to us, how long will it be? Don't hide yourself anymore. Uh, and have compassion on us, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness so that we can sing, make us glad according to the days that you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. And let, your, let thy work appear to thy servants and, the, and your majesty to their children. Like, make yourself known, Lord. Let us see you. Let us commune with you. Uh, let us have I, uh, uh, a simcha, a, a joyous time I, uh, with you, and make our work count. Let the favor of the Lord be upon us and confirm the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Make it count, Lord. And so one of the things I think that's uh, interesting um, uh, about this in this prayer, you have to look at it, first of all, from the time period uh, when it was uh, when it was written, it was written before the Messiah came, right? And so we need to appreciate that and understand that. If Moses is the author, it came long before Messiah came, right? If it's written uh, in honor of Moses, uh, it's still written before the Messiah came, and it's a call, it's a plea, Lord, do something. And we know, indeed, that God has done something, right? Uh, he sent the Messiah to come into this world to give us that joy and that peace and that satisfaction, even yet still living in the flesh, even yet still living in this world. In fact, we read in the book of Hebrews how God loved us in such a way that he became like us, you know, in the person of Yeshua, uh, in the Son. We read here in chapter uh, in chapter two, uh, in the book of Hebrews, beginning in. I want to be careful because you know me. I could go back to chapter one and verse one, but I won't do that. In chapter two, in verse fourteen, it says, "Since then, the children share in flesh and blood." He himself likewise also partook of the same through death that, or in order that, through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, uh, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to, this, to slavery all their lives. Look what he says, that he might deliver through the death and resurrection of Messiah Yeshua, who came into this world and experienced the beginning and end of a mortal life, right? That he might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You know, many of us are subject to slavery our whole lives. Uh, being afraid of uh, being afraid of death, uh, or you know, doing whatever I can do to prolong my life, and or to or or I might be afraid that 
when I get old, I won't have enough resources to retire for a long period of time. And I've got to accumulate. I've got to accumulate because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to be, you know, or afraid of disease or, you know. Now, it doesn't mean, it, you know, when, it's, when we say not afraid, it doesn't mean that uh, we attempt God uh, with it. No. Uh, what it simply means is that many of us are fearful our whole lives because we know that we're mortal, right? And so he came to deliver us from that fear because in him we have eternal life. Even though the flesh may end, we will live with the Lord forever. And then on top of that, we will live again in a restored and renewed world. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sin or satisfaction for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He knows what it is like to live a temporal life. He knows what it is like uh, to suffer. And so perhaps today uh, you may be suffering. Perhaps today you may be afraid of what is happening in, in your life or even feeling just uh, depressed and feeling kind of like you're on the shelf. No, Yeshua came to deliver us, you know, uh, uh, from all of that. We read in the book of Romans in the fifth chapter there uh, in verse 10 or verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at that time Messiah died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare to even die. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be delivered or saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be delivered by his life? And now only, and not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So it says, while we were helpless, while we were enemies, while we were sinners, he has come and has redeemed us. And my friends, this is what gives us great, uh, indeed, great hope and makes our lives all the more meaningful, knowing that I'm connected to the Messiah, that I'm connected to what he is doing in this world. And uh, I no longer have to fear death because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we have an assurance of life, uh, indeed, forever. And that takes us back uh, you know, to what we were talking about last night, uh, about this idea uh, of giving away our life uh, because we can't keep it anyway. 
to gain something that's ours. And, uh, you know, Yeshua said, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will uh, preserve it. And, you know, I, I wrote this down in several different translations. It also says in another translation, whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And so, uh, you know, how important it is then that, well, if I belong to the Lord and my life is enveloped in him, that I can give my life away. I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be, uh, you know, I don't have to be self-protective. I, I uh, no longer uh, need to be, as I have here, I don't have to be filled with self-contempt or self-pity or self-doubt or self-importance or filled with self-preservation or just filled with self, <laughs> you know? I, but I, I, I do not have to spend my time with that, but now I can be focused on what God is doing and focused on others. I, you know, when we give away our life, we find it. So how do we give away our life? So how do we gain this wisdom uh, now that we know the Lord? First of all, we need to just remember this. We need to, to know it, you know, know that, wait a minute, I belong to the Lord. I belong to Yeshua, the Messiah. Okay. And so even though I don't see him, I know him. And even though I'm not in the Alam Haba, uh, I know that that is indeed my destiny. That is my destiny. And so therefore, I can make every day count. Just keep going. Focus on the Lord right up there, uh, you know, unto uh, the end. What this does for us, it cultivates a life where we are just submerged in the life of Messiah. Uh, and this is how Rav Shaul or Paul lived his life. That's how he could be in jail and not feel like he was wasting time. Isn't that interesting? You know, I won't turn there, but in the beginning of the, of the letter to the believers at Philippi and Philippians, right? He says, don't worry about me. I, I know you know I'm, I'm imprisoned, but don't worry about me because I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so no matter where you are, do not see yourself as wasting time or wasted opportunities, but take every moment wherever it is and realize that your life is submerged into the life of Messiah. Now, even though they lived before Messiah, think about Joseph, think about Daniel. They lived lives where they were both in forced exile, right? Both of them were in a, seemingly in a negative place, one in Egypt, one in Babylon, right? They could have viewed themselves as wasting their lives away, but no, they were exactly where God wanted them to be. But if they had a different kind of attitude, they would have forfeited the opportunity uh, that God had given them. So let's not us forfeit the opportunity. Uh, you know, let's, uh, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let us be indeed 
that living sacrifice uh, that, uh, that we read. And you know, in the, uh, the Torah portion for this holiday, we read about Abraham, right? We read about the birth of Isaac in chapter 21 of Abreshit. But in chapter 22, we read about the impossible situation that Abraham found himself in, right? Where God tells him the unthinkable. Take your son, go up the mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham knew that they were returning because he says, on the way up, the lad and I will return. You can look it up there in chapter 22 of Genesis. We will return. What Abraham knew is that the ending was going to be good. And he knew where he was right now. But what he did not really know is what's going to happen in between. How is this going to work out? I mean, because if nothing changes, this is really going to be bad, right? But what Abraham did is he, he demonstrated great faith by simply putting one foot in front of the other. And he just kept going and just knowing that somehow God will provide. God will provide, right? And you know, at the end of uh, Genesis chapter 22, you know, when he has the, oh, never mind. When he has the, uh, when he has the knife, right? And he's, he takes his hand, he says, God's got it. And whoa, his hand is stopped, right? And the ram is caught in the thicket. That's why we use a shofar to blow the shofar. A ram was caught by its horns in the, in, in the thicket. Uh, and, and his arm was stayed and, and uh, Isaac was spared. And then what does Abraham do? He says, uh, 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 Yahweh or Yehovah, Yudhe Vavhe, Adonai, Yira, Yira. Uh, I, you know, we like to say, what is that? What, what are those words? Well, sometimes from your Bible, uh, we might pronounce it like this. You ready? Buckle your seatbelt. Jehovah Jireh, right? Yeah, there, just so you know what I was saying. But uh, Adonai, Yira. But you know what? It doesn't literally mean God provides. Did you know that? It doesn't mean God provides. It means God sees, and he therefore provides. God sees. He sees every situation, right? And he provides. That's living that robust life of wisdom, recognizing that, knowing that, that 24-7, God is indeed at work in your life. Just as Joseph understood it, Daniel understood it, Abraham understands it, uh, you know, and indeed, so do we. And so the point for us is that God has sent the Messiah who reverses the situation in Psalm 90. We do not have to lament that life is short, but we need to remember that God has provided. He's, in a sense, answered the prayer of Moses. He has taught us how to make every day count. He has taught us how to have a heart of wisdom. Death no longer has a sting for us because it is no longer the hard stop, <laughs> so to speak, right? There is life forever in the Lord and we know that there is a resurrection from the dead. We can experience a real sense of chesed, of the loyal love of God every day of our lives. 
so that we can have that shalom, that wholehearted, uh, all-encompassing uh, uh, peace. He is right now restoring what has indeed been lost, and we can live in that. And finally, the very last thing I just wanted to mention, you know, in John chapter 5, in our Haftorah, or in our Brit Hadashah portion, it says in verse 1, it was a feast of the Jews, right? Nobody knows what that feast is. Now, it does say later on, it says it was Shabbat. But may I suggest, perhaps it was a Shabbat like this Shabbat, that it was Rosh Hashanah, uh, and that is uh, uh, what many believe, actually, not all. Some believe that, that it might have been another a feast. Some believe it was just Shabbat. But I don't believe anywhere else we, we read Shabbat being called a, a specific feast or festival, right? Uh, uh, and what is very interesting is, yes, Yeshua heals uh, that, that man. And we read about how they were angry with him because it was on Shabbat that he picked up his pallet and walked. But then what do we read right after that? What does Yeshua tell us? that what has been given to him is not only the power to, to heal and not only the power to forgive, but also the power to judge. And when we come to the High Holy Days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we know Yom Kippur is not a feast. So there wouldn't be that day. And so what we have is Rosh Hashanah. And so may I suggest that the context of John chapter 5 is Rosh Hashanah. And uh, that Yeshua heals on Rosh Hashanah. And on Rosh Hashanah, he identifies himself as the judge. Because he is indeed the judge. He is the one with whom we have to do. As we saw in the book of Acts in chapter 10, he is indeed the judge of all, of uh, the living and the dead. And so it is with him we have to do. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know that when we embrace Yeshua, when we say, yes, Lord, you are the Messiah. You died for my sins. You rose from the dead. He receives, we talk about us receiving him. He receives us into himself. We have new life forever. We now become part of what he is doing in this world. We, are, we have healing in our lives. And as we read in the Haftorah portion for the second day of Rosh Hashanah tomorrow, I know it's late. I won't take the time, but it's in Jeremiah chapter 31. He refers to Israel as, O virgin Israel. O virgin Israel. The day will come when it will be, O virgin Israel. But this is whom he says to Israel, who's going into the captivity. Israel, who has been unfaithful. Israel will be created anew, will be a new creature in the Lord. Just as we read in 2 Corinthians about all of us that when we embrace the Lord, we are new creatures in Messiah. The old has indeed passed away. And so when we sound the shofar uh, today, let us remember these great truths. Let us have a heart of wisdom. It's never too late. And may the call of the shofar as we remember the kingship of God is covenant love toward us and uh, that he appears to us. May we indeed hear that shofar sound and may we return May we confess our sins. May we be forgiven and cleansed uh, and start a new walking in the way of wisdom and live through whatever life may bring us focused on the Lord uh, in the way that he would have us.
conduct our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to, to come together and, and to uh, you know, sing and, and to pray. But Lord, I pray for each of us now that as we enter into this part of our service, uh, that uh, we would indeed hear that shofar sound as a call, a call to return. And perhaps we haven't been walking in wisdom. Perhaps we're in some kind of situation uh, that uh, by wrong choices or just things happening to us, we're in, a, we're in a particular predicament. May we realize today that right there in the middle of it, we can be we can begin walking in wisdom and uh, lord and and lord may you convict us and encourage us that we're never on the shelf and it's never too late no matter where we are no matter what it is and that you have called us to serve you and our hand our life is in your hands lord and it's your responsibility lord uh as we give you our lives and so we thank you for that great truth. Thank you that you have indeed brought an answer to the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90. You have given us satisfaction. You've given us your loving kindness. You have reversed the effects of the sin. Uh, and, and we can indeed make every day count and present to you a heart of wisdom. We pray in Messiah's name.